0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. I'm glad that you are listening today. Blessed to be able to speak a little kingdom truth into your life. And I hope that you are helped uh, as you have listened. Um, man, we are, I think this is a episode like 154 or something. And um, there's a couple of people out there that say they've listened to all of them. Uh, I won't say that all of them were awesome. But most of them had at least something that you could hang your hat on for, you know, six minutes or something like that. Um, But my goal is to be able to just share with you some things that God shows me. And um, if you tune in every Tuesday when we drop a new episode, um, I think over the long haul, you'll be encouraged. You'll be helped. And uh, we always love hearing from you. If you've got ideas for topics or if you want to send some feedback, you can email me at Jeff at MaverickMisfit.com. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com and let me know, um, you know, something you'd like to hear about, or, um, if the podcast is helping you or if you hate it, (laughs) you can, you can email me either way. Um, I'll try to reply to all the emails. Um, even if you say you hate it, but if you say you hate it, you need to tell me why. Um, if you love it, why don't you rate and review it wherever you listen? Um, give us a rating and a review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to it. And uh, you'll help us to reach more people. Um, Last night, uh, remember, we always record the podcast a week or so in advance, but I was listening to a message at the North Georgia Revival on Sunday night. I'm recording this on a Monday morning. And uh, Lance Johnson, who's the consummate evangelist, um, just such a big hearted man of God. And pretty much every time he preaches, people get saved. And he's just literally, I think he holds the office. Uh, of an evangelist in the fivefold he may hold other offices too but clearly to me uh, God made this man to win people to Jesus and um, he gave his testimony uh, last night in the North Georgia revival and uh, just one of the most powerful even painful testimonies in his life before Jesus and um, but he he opened up reading the passage of scripture I want to read to you and apologies to to Lance Johnson, but I'm going to hijack that passage because as soon as he read it, Holy Spirit began preaching probably a condensed 60-second sermon to me that I knew I was supposed to share on the podcast. And so um, you just always pay attention to the Lord when you're in church. Um, sometimes he wants you to receive something for you. I hope most of the time when we gather, the Lord is willing to deposit something in us for our own spiritual benefit but sometimes he's saying he's going to kind of I picture it this way that the Lord's sitting next to me and he kind of just gently elbows me in the ribs and says pay attention Uh, you're going to hear something that I want you to share And that was the case last night it was immediate and so I want to talk to you about it uh, from Mark chapter number four Um, it's not really going to be a sermon or anything it's just going to be some things that the Lord shared with me that I know some of you need to hear I'm going to talk to you about your trouble I'm going to talk to you about your storm or your storms or your troubles, you know, plural, because some seasons are like that. You know, all of us as Jesus followers are, we have to be entrusted with difficulty. You can't be a disciple of Jesus while constantly avoiding difficulty. Like you, you need to go ahead and get this in your spirit, that to be a disciple of Jesus is to experience trouble. Yes, it is to experience victory. It is to experience overcoming. It is experience uh, to experience uh, breakthrough, but it is to experience trouble. You can't carry your cross and follow Jesus and not find life trouble. And because the Lord is intent on building you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God the Father is working that—that's something we all have in common. Every single Christian is being made to be conformed into the image of Jesus, and part of the um, likeness of Jesus is that you have to suffer. Now, did you hear that? Did you hear that right there? That sound you just heard was like a thousand people clicking stop on the podcast because I said that it is at times the will of God that you experience difficulty even to the level of suffering. And um, I've mentioned this many times, even recently, that a lot of Christians don't have any theology for suffering, and they blame all suffering on the devil, and it's all bad, and the goal is to get away from it and overcome it, and you just can't base that kind of belief on the Bible. And what you're not hearing me say is that God is some malicious, malevolent being in heaven who takes great and sinister delight in making your life miserable, because that's the stupid side of the coin that a lot of people seem to live with. No, God uses trouble. Um, trouble is a part of living in this world. Difficulty, like you're living on a planet with about mm, seven and a half billion overt, unregenerate sinners. I think the vast majority on people of planet Earth are not yet born again, and so. Um, and especially when you look at the people that are running the show, you, know, you can go back a few podcasts and listen to that podcast episode I did on the invisible puppeteer. It talks about who's actually running the show. It's a bunch of unregenerate people that create the context for culture that you and I have to wake up and live in every day. And so it's filled with sinfulness and listen, when you are following Jesus, he doesn't avoid the places that are um, rough and jagged. Jesus goes into those things and makes the the rough ways and the, crooked way straight so if you're following him you're going to get into trouble like you're going to bump up against stuff in life that is not conducive to your peace and your comfort and your easiness and if you are always living to avoid that you're going to be a shallow Christian but for those of you that have your mind made up that you're following Jesus all the way Like you're not looking for a place to get off and, you know, catch your breath permanently. There is a place for that. It's called heaven and you're not there yet. Um, And so along the way, you're going to have trouble. And oftentimes in um, a Bible context or, you know, when we're talking Christianese, we talk about storms. We talk about trials. We talk about tribulations. Those are all vernacular words from the Christian vernacular. And uh, they're good. They're Bible words. There's nothing wrong with them, but they have to mean something. And, you know, the words we use and the words in the Bible actually have to mean something. They can't just be these floating clouds of ideal thoughts. You got to bring down your faith, your doctrine, your theology to ground level. It's like sandals, shoe leather. You, you strap them on. You got to walk it out. And oftentimes um, you're, you're going to find yourself right in the middle of a storm. I don't even have to be prophetic to say right now, some of you listening are in a storm. Some of you are in a big storm. Some of you have lived through storms. Some of you are moving into storms. Some of you are living in one right now. So I'm going to give you a few verses from like really, really familiar passage of scripture. If not the go-to passage for topics like I'm describing, um, it's at least top three. And so from Mark chapter four, verse 35, it's where they're on the lake and the storm rises and Jesus is asleep in the boat. So let me just read these five or six verses. It says, On that day when the evening came, Jesus said to them, Let's go across to the other side. He's talking about the other side of the lake. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And here we go. A great windstorm arose. Mega, mega storm right here and the waves were breaking into the boat so that it was already filling with water. But Jesus was in the stern of the boat, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Uh, It's been a while since I've read and certainly been a long time since I have preached or taught that passage. You've probably heard it uh, done before. If this is new words to your ears, I'm excited to be able to talk to you from what is a very encouraging and also convicting passage of scripture, because uh, we are very much like those disciples. We're very much like these followers of Jesus that have committed their life to him, but still don't know how to trust them in a storm. And that's um, a common affliction for a lot of people that name the name of Jesus. And like, uh, let me just ask you something it's reasonable for me to suggest that pretty much anybody can be devoted to Jesus when everything's going their way. That's not hard. I don't even know if it's faith. It may may be saving faith, but if the last faith that you developed was saving faith, faith to trust that Jesus Christ is Lord, to surrender your life to him, to believe that he died for your sin, making you, um, a candidate to be made right with God. And then when you when you took him up on that offer of eternal life by repenting of your sin and by faith crowning him the Lord of your life, you became a Christian. And because he rose from the dead, his resurrection nature now lives in you. You are the temple of the living God. God lives in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. So you're an overcomer. Now, that's not a badge to wear. It's got to mean something. If you are an overcomer, you must first be an undergoer. How can you overcome if you refuse to undergo? And so a lot of Christians, you know, sing the songs, raise their hands, praise the Lord, do their little holy dance, give, you know, all the Christianized cliches of ain't God good. Hallelujah. Too blessed to be stressed. Amen. You know, all the silly stuff that we say, blessed and highly favored. You know, I'm not trying to be overly critical, but, um, a lot of people that use those cliches don't have any substance. Why? Cause those cliches disappear from their vocabulary when trouble hits and the storm arises. And so, um, I'm just going to speak to you, especially those of you that are in trouble. Those of you that are in a storm, those of you that are um, taking on water and your ship feels like it's sinking. Um, and let's learn from these disciples. So in these verses, I just feel like Jesus, um, says some things in the middle of the storm by his actions and by his words and so he first starts off by saying I'm taking you somewhere he says that to the disciples when he says get in the boat and let's go across to the other side that's mark four thirty-five, and so in verse four thirty-five he says I'm taking you somewhere get in the boat I got a place I want to take you and they do it. In verse 36, it says everybody got in the boat and Jesus was in the boat too. So Jesus is leading them into a storm. Now, they don't know that. Jesus knows that. Jesus is putting them on a boat, on an ocean, and, or excuse me, on, on the waters. And um, they're not going to be in control of what's about to happen. That's the intentional leadership of of the king who loves them. And yet the king who loves them is not leading them to, you know, crystal clear blue waters and white sands and a hammock and, you know, uh, a, a, a beautiful breezy moment. Jesus says, Hey, get in the boat. I want to take you to the other side. I've got a destination that I'm leading you in. And he doesn't give them a full syllabus of where he's leading them. He doesn't tell them how long it's going to take to get there. He doesn't tell them exactly what they're going to be doing when they arrive. He just says, Hey, I'm about to get in this boat. I want you to go with me. Will you trust me? And everybody's like, of course we'll trust you. This is easy. Like you do awesome things. We're seeing you do some incredible things. This is fun. Wherever you go, Jesus, we're going to go. And so in their zeal and in their trust, they did. They trusted him at a level. There was no need to distrust the master. But their faith is about to be stretched because he's intentionally leading them into a storm. And that's verse number 37. He says, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. Then by his actions, he says, where I am taking you includes an intense storm. The Bible says a great windstorm arose. Waves were breaking into the boat. And the boat was already filling. I don't know how long they had been rowing before the storm hit, but it was obviously too far to go back. So he got them out of the point. He got them out there to the point of no return where they had, um, like literally they're probably in the middle of the waters, the lake, and, uh, they can't go back. Like they're all in. (laughs) And so there they are, and they've got nothing to fix their problem. Why? Because you and I don't solve windstorms. And when it says a great windstorm arose, the Greek word mega, it means, oh, this was a doozy. This thing arose out of nowhere. Nobody saw it coming. Once it hit, it was relentless. There was no natural means to solve this thing, even to the extent that within moments the boat that they were in was filling up with water. Now I'm not much of a nautical dude. I love the ocean. I'll get out there a little bit, but I've seen too many, you know, YouTube videos of people getting eaten by sharks. I just, you know, um, last time I was out in the waters was a couple of years ago. Me and Landon were out on some jet skis in the, um, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. And, um, I had, I had a choppy place, man. And I flipped on that jet ski and I cut my hand um, while I was flipping over the, the front of the jet ski. And uh, so and then the jet ski, we ended up upside down. So there I am. And I don't know how deep the water was. We were probably 250 yards offshore and I'm bleeding and the jet skis flipped over. and I'm like, I'm about to die. I'm about to get eaten by a shark now fortunately we got the thing fixed and I got back on the jet ski and we finished the ride out but um, that was the last time I was out in the ocean I I don't like being in that um, territory because that's not my territory I'm a land mammal (laughs) I'm not a fish and so um, it's a very vulnerable feeling when you are in the middle of the water and you don't have any ground to stand on. Everything's about to be over your head and your boat's filling. And that's what was happening to these guys. Oh, and by the way, Jesus led them there. Where he was leading them included a very intense storm. So you need to file this kingdom key right here. Jesus is not committed to our comfort zones. Jesus will allow trouble. He'll lead you 100% into a situation that will stretch you. And if you are conditioned to lean to your own understanding, he will lead you into things that your own understanding and wisdom and experience and education and resources will be be completely insufficient. You will be in over your head and it won't be, be because the devil did it. It'll be because Jesus wanted to teach you how to lean on him and not, not lean on you. And so the, the third thing that he says, he says, I'm taking you somewhere. He says, where I'm taking you is going to include an intense storm. And then he says, I'm going to test you by not making the storm disappear. How do I know that? Well, I see it in verse 38 at the beginning. It says, you know, the storm, the boat was filling, the storm was rocking and it says, but Jesus was in the stern asleep on a pillow, asleep on a cushion. Like he's not, he's not even awake. Like Jesus as the son of man needed to take naps. He got tired. He got weary. He got thirsty. He got hungry. Uh, The Bible is very clear that even though he's the son of God, he submitted himself to the limitations of the human form. And so he got tired and, you know, I mean, it sounds odd, but he had to go to the bathroom at times. He would um, need to eat, would need to sleep. Um, Jesus is the son of man. And so he's in the back of the boat while they're panicking. Like they are freaking out. Why? Because the boat is filling with water. And according to their view, they're going to sink. They're going to die. They're not going to make it home. They're not going to get to where Jesus told them that he was taking them. They're not going to make it. And there is their Lord, their Messiah, their King. And while all of this mayhem is going on, Jesus is resting in the back of the boat, not doing a thing. He's not fixing the problem. He's not getting up and panicking with them. Some Some people, listen, some Christians would be more comfortable with Jesus if he rose up and panicked like they panic. Like when trouble hits, there's something inside of us sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it says, God's not panicked over my situation and I'm panicked and he must not love me because he's not meeting me at the level of the urgency that my panic is signaling to me. If he really cared about me, he'd be freaking out too. And he'd be interrupting this because he's God and he's not worried about it and he's not moving and he's not intervening and he's not putting a halt to it. So he must not care about me. God, why won't you get up and panic with me in the middle of my storm? Now, we never say it that way. But internally, when we are wrestling with the fact that God does not stop the thing that is troubling us immediately, one of the thing, the components of the, way, the reason we think that way is because um, we assume that the thing is as terrifying and urgent to him as it is to us. And it's not. Why? Well, let, let me just tell you something. The reason why Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat is because he was fully at rest in the will of the Father. He, he knew the father had given him a mission and Jesus knew that that mission could not be accomplished if he died in the middle of the lake. And Jesus also knew that he had the authority and the power to solve any problem in the natural that was going to happen. And Jesus was also willing to rest in order to allow his disciples to find out, oh, they don't really trust him like they think they trust him. They're not really as confident in him as they seem to be when, you know, he's multiplying bread and fish and when he's casting out demons and when he's healing the sick, when he's raising the dead, when he's putting the Pharisees in their place, when he's talking about the coming of the kingdom. I mean, it's easy to trust God when all of that awesome stuff is happening. But how do you know if you really, really trust the Lord until he allows some trouble into your life? And I'm going to submit to you, you don't know if you trust him if you're never able to to be allowed to be troubled. And so here came the storm and Jesus is refusing to panic. He's not doing a thing. He's not lifting an omnipotent finger to make their trouble going away. He's letting their boat get filled. So what are they doing? Well, they're 100% misdiagnosing their trouble. And that's at the end of verse number 38. How do I know that? So they wake them up They wake him up and their question is not really a question. It is an accusation. They accuse him. They say, master, don't you care that we are perishing? Master, you don't care about the trouble we're in. You're not doing a thing. You listen, listen to the words they use. You must not care. You know, that's a common response when trouble hits the life of a Christian that hasn't been proven yet. By the way, that's how you get proven. Your faith gets intensified, gets solidified, gets galvanized. Not through ease, but through trouble. Your trust goes deeper when you are in over your head. Your faith is proven when your ship, your little boat, is sinking. And when you, when you see that the Lord is not making your problem go away so you can be restored to your calm seas, there is something that can leap up within your suspicious heart and say, God, you must not care. If you cared, you wouldn't let this happen. It's a very, very sad but common response when Christians who are not mature, not grounded, encounter their first season of intense trouble And listen, it exposes so many people. A lot of people say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ until trouble hits. And then they go from being someone who professes Jesus Christ to being somebody who accuses him and says, oh, bad things happened in my life. God doesn't care. I'll never trust him again. Now, I don't know that the disciples were saying that, but they were certainly accusing Jesus of being um, negligent in their situation. they said, master, you don't care. And we're over here dying. Don't you care that we're perishing? And you you know what the answer is? Jesus is like, no, I'm actually not going to freak out. I'm not going to affirm your panic. I'm not going to endorse your um, troubled, anxious thoughts. And let me tell you why. Cause you're misunderstanding your trouble. You're misdiagnosing your storm. Now, if this conversation actually took place in the Bible, they would say, what are you talking about? Do you not see the winds? Do you not see the boat filling up with water? Do you see the big wave about 40 yards away? That's about to be the one that sinks our ship. I can see it coming. What do you mean by your sleeping comfortably in the middle of my storm? And Jesus says, you're misdiagnosing your storm. You asked me, don't I care that you are perishing? And Jesus would say to them, the reason why I'm not freaking out is because you're not going to perish. You're not perishing. You're just afraid. You're going to a fatalistic extreme in the midst of a scenario that I am allowing in your life. And you're already talking to me from the bottom of the lake. And friend, if you'll look around, you're still on top of the water. You're in a boat that I'm in with you. Some of you need to receive that. You you know, the forecasting of doom is a clear indicator that you need to grow in your faith with the Lord. Like in stage one, two, or three of your four stage trouble. And if it's in stage one, two, and three, you're already saying stage four is doom and inescapability, and this is going to be fatal and final then it's a clear indicator that the Lord is allowing the storm because your faith needs to grow. Um, let me just say something right now. I'm not going to go into any details, but like I'm in a storm right now. It doesn't have anything to do with ministry. It doesn't have anything to do with like the things that I've committed to help lead and be involved in. But a storm came out of nowhere and, um, touched us, my wife, me, my children, um, my family, um, came out of nowhere, rose up. And you know what? 15 years ago, I probably would have been like, oh, I got to bail. I got to bail. I got to get this water out of the boat. I got to make this boat land. I got I to gotta wake up Jesus. Jesus, how come you're sitting in the back of the boat? Why aren't you doing something? Lord, this is fatal. This is doom. This is gloom. I probably would have done something like that maybe 15, 20 years ago. But the reason why I'm in this thing right now and I'm saying, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for you to move when you're ready to move. I'm, I'm ready for you to let this thing get 95% full, threatening to sink me, but I know it's not going to sink. I know that you will rise up and rebuke the storm that you've allowed in my life because <laughs> you're taking me to the other side. You've got a plan. You've got a destiny for me, my family. And so I'm able, and that doesn't, by the way, that doesn't make me a super Christian. You just heard me confess that there was a time in my life where storms caused great intense anxiety in me. Even if they were short lived, I felt like I had to fix it. I had to handle it. I had to have the resources. I had to have the abilities. I had to have the answers. I had to have the experiences. And you know how exhausting it was to live that way. What had to happen? Well, God had to break my overconfidence in my ability to handle everything And he had to instill in me a holy confidence that he is well able. And so the disciples are saying, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus is like, no, because you're not perishing. You just feel like you are. And some of you may be in that season right now that you're saying the Lord doesn't care if he did, he'd do something. Well, maybe the Lord isn't doing something because he actually wants the situation to get harder and heavier because it's pressing you into him or at least it's supposed to be like we American. I'm, you know, I'm an American. So some of you are listening to other parts of the world, but American Christianity is, it's just the culture. There's so much of the culture in us that we feel like we're supposed to handle everything. Like we handle it, but we give God the credit. And when we can't handle it, we're like, Oh no, I'm supposed to handle everything. No, you're not. You're actually supposed to trust you're actually supposed to, at times, you're you're supposed to confess your powerlessness to fix your trouble. You're supposed to lift your empty hands towards heaven saying, God, I don't have anything I can use and I don't have anything you need. But if you'll fill up these empty hands with whatever you want to do, then I'm going to trust you to get me to the other side of the lake. So I finish up in the final verses. So the last thing that they said was Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And so, you know, Jesus says this last thing. I am using this trouble to develop you. I mean, here's the five things he says. I'm taking you somewhere, get in the boat. Where I'm taking you includes an intense storm. I'm going to test you by making the storm not disappear. And the fourth thing he says is, You're going to misdiagnose the trouble I'm allowing because you're going to think it's coming to sink you. And it's not. It's actually coming to steady you. It's actually coming to deepen you. It's coming to um, increase your trust muscle. And then the last thing is, yeah, I'm going to use this trouble to develop you. I'm sending the storm because it's a season where I'm actually strengthening you. And you don't get strong when it's easy. None of us do. You can maintain strength when things are easy, but you don't get stronger until the heavy weight comes. And so here's the heavy weight that is being laid upon these guys. So Jesus awakes in verse 39. He literally was asleep. I love that. The Bible says he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. So in one instance, right after they said, we're going to die, Jesus says, no, you're not. Watch this it's too bad that they had to accuse him, but he let them do it. He let them get to the extreme to where they were upset with him for not doing something. And he let them reach the end of their carnal moment. And when they wake him up, he's looking at, Oh, it's, it's just a great megastorm. Oh yeah. I, I handle these things. I actually am the creator of water molecules and wind. And so he says, see, see, wind waves stop it. And then the Bible says there was a great calm. There was a great storm. Jesus moves. There's a great calm. That's why we refuse to panic. There is a great storm. You're going to have more than one in your life, but there will also be a great calm. And faith says, I envision the calm that is coming to be greater than the storm that is present. Did you catch that? Faith says, I envision the calm that is coming to be more certain, to be greater in my heart than the storm that is presently hitting me. And then verse 40, Jesus does this. He says, hey, I'm going to develop you. I'm going to take care of the storm. I'm going to prove to you that I'm still trustworthy, even in the middle of a storm. And then he says, I'm going to also correct you. I'm going I'm to bring you a little pierce of conviction, a little jab, a little stab. In verse 40, he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? (laughs) Can you imagine that? The calm of the storm hits and they're all like, "Whew, made it? We made it. And Jesus says, yeah, the lesson's not over yet. Why'd you panic? Why did you doubt me? I was was at complete rest. Why did you wake me up accusing me of not being committed to you? Well, Lord, we saw the wind and the waves. Uh Uh-huh. Do you see them now? Well, no, actually, because you did something. And the Lord would say, didn't I tell you we're going to the other side? Didn't I get you in this boat? Didn't I tell you I'm leading you? Yes, Lord, you, you, you told us that. You don't trust me because if you did, you would have known my promises are sure. I'm taking you somewhere. And if I let this storm swallow you in the middle of the sea, I wouldn't be true to the word I previously gave you before the storm, that I am for you, I'm in the boat with you, and I'm taking you where I want you to go. You see, the storm interrupted their trust. And Jesus says, I call that no faith. Pretty intense, guys. Let's stop making excuses and let's just call it like it is. Sometimes we don't trust the Lord. Maybe right now in your storm, you're not trusting the Lord. Just confess it. Don't negotiate it. Don't dilute it. Don't reinterpret it. Don't repackage it. Don't call it something other than what it is. Just say, yeah, the reason why I'm anxious, the reason why I'm scared, the reason why I'm overwhelmed, the reason why is because I'm not in control of this thing. And Jesus says, that's exactly right. Because if you're a controller, you cannot live by faith. And if Jesus is determined that you're going to be one of his disciples, he will break you of your sense of needing to be in control of everything. And he usually does it with a mega storm. So ultimately they end up looking at each other (laughs) after the winds calm. And the Bible says they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know what they said? They said, we thought we knew him, but who is this man? Who is this master? Look at what he just did. In essence, that pictures all of us in our journey of faith. That the more we trust and the more he rescues and the more he leads and the more he develops us, we hit these moments of the fear of the Lord in a healthy way and the awestruck sense of wonder. We say, Who is this Jesus that is leading me? He is well beyond anything I can conceive of. And man, that's an awesome part of faith that you can't get if you never trust him in the storm. He wants to show you he's great and he's great to you. So today I bless you in the name of Jesus, especially those of you that are in the middle of trouble. Stop misdiagnosing your trouble. Stop believing it's fatal. It's not fatal. It's just intense. Stop believing it's the end of the story. It's just a bend in the story. It's just a a chapter. It's not the last chapter. It's just a chapter. He's not done working with you or writing your story yet. And if you'll just say, okay, if he is at rest in the storm, then I'm going to be at rest in the storm. He will get up. Now, it doesn't mean you don't pray. It doesn't mean you don't you know consider what you can do. But you don't panic. Panic is not a fruit of the Spirit. And there's never a time where Jesus says amen to my anxiety. There's never a time when Jesus says, Jeff, that's okay that you don't trust me. He says, oh, no, we're actually going to go hard after that. And the way he goes hard after it is he leads us from faith to faith, from image to image, from glory to glory. That means he takes us deeper. And sometimes as it goes deeper, it gets darker. It doesn't stay that way. But man, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it is not fun. But he's leading you. And he's accompanying you. So guys, remember that today. My time's gone. Thanks for tuning in to Mavericks and Misfits. I hope that you will be blessed in the remainder of your week. And I hope that as the Lord ministers to you after I sign off, that the Holy Spirit continues to speak to you, that your King is entirely trustworthy in the middle of your storm. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you were helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at TransformingTruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.